Lovely to be together with you again. Apologies for being late. I've given my wife a very stressful morning because I kept taking wrong turnings, which, which if you know me is not unusual. Um, and I also put in a lot of stress because she says, you can't wear that, it doesn't match. <laughs> no, no, nobody here agrees with her, do they? <laughs> I, I have a slight colour problem. Um, but uh, despite my coordination and my directions, I am thrilled to be with you. I, I feel... Great seeing you, Jonathan Theresa, because we've been together already this morning, 6.30. It's, it's become a really meaningful prayer community, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, praying for, for the horrific things happening in the Ukraine. I, I, there's nobody in this room that's not tearing your heart out, seeing what's happening there. And there's this, the Lighthouse community, part of Relational Mission, is, is meeting to pray every morning. And uh, these, these guys, forgive me if anyone else is on it, but I recognise you guys. It's, it's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so bless you. So I feel part of your church in a sense because I'm meeting with you every morning. <laughs> well, nearly every morning. We're like a little family. You could join our family if you like. Would you like to join our family? <laughs> yeah. The, the subject I wanted to talk upon uh, this morning is generosity. It's a nice word. Generosity in giving, which is the same thing really, isn't it? Generosity in, in giving and so particularly in, a, in our culture, in most of the world, it involves money. Now, in our culture, if I was to come up to you and say, well, how much do you earn? You know, what's your annual? You'd be, and if I'm honest, so would I. We're quite uncomfortable about that sort of conversation, aren't we? If you... If, if, if you, if you especially get a poor income, uh, if, if you were in America, it would be the first thing you ask someone. It's funny, isn't it? Our culture affects how we feel about money, so we're all a bit uncomfortable. So I hope I'm not going to make you too uncomfortable this morning. Just look at my coordination. It'll distract you, all right? <laughs> so it, it's actually, from the Bible point of view, a really exciting subject. Now, I, I mean it. I'm not just trying to hype up something that they're putting sugar on something that's bitter. The, the subject of giving in the Bible is one of the most exciting and faith-inspiring. Now, I, I might not do it justice, but it is. Take my word for it. Um, here's a verse I like. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. Any other Ecclesiastes fans here? I love it because it's, it's almost comically realistic. It, you know, it sort of says things as they are. I think it must have been written by a Yorkshireman. Um, <laughs> But in, in chapter 10, verse 19, the writer says, A feast is made for laughter. Wine makes life merry. And money is the answer for everything. <laughs> Did you know that was in the Bible? Money is the answer for everything. That's, that's, if you don't believe me, Ecclesiastes 10, verse 19. And you think, what? But, but when, you, when you think about it, which we are having to, it's, it's as important as breathing, isn't it? How, if I said you're, if I made it impossible for you to ever get your hands on money again, it wouldn't be long before you were starving to death, not getting dental treatment, and uh, you know, you, you'd be chips. It's absolutely vital for life. So it's not surprising that something that's so powerful is has the potential to steal a place in our hearts that actually belongs to God. Is that right? Everyone in this room, if we're honest, 
can easily find this gets into our heart because money is powerful. All those things I want, all those gadgets, my favourite lipstick. No, not me, I'm just, you know, (laughs) I'm putting myself in your shoes, ladies, all right? I'm not trying to be controversial on that front. Um, God God wants to increase, not not so much our standard of living, but as Christians, he wants to, you know what I'm going to say, you've heard this before, he wants to increase, still my thunder, why don't you? God wants to increase our standard of giving. So thank you, Natalie. Um, Learning to live in in God's supply and and also learning to be part of his supply to others. So living in God's supply, but learning to be part of God's supply to people in need, which might at some point in my life be me, Uh, it might be you sometimes, it might be some Ukrainian refugee that you open your home to, being part of God's supply and also being part of God's supply to God's work, which is also something I want to talk to you about. Um, I, I, one of the, the lessons that stood out to me, we all have lessons early in our Christian life that stay with us, don't we? Um, when I was a young, young man, or even younger than I am now, at Bible school, back, back in 1982-83 um, that was for me, I was a very naive young man, and uh, a friend of mine had a radio ministry, and to be honest, he'd been unwise with it and got himself into debt, because he had to sort of finance what he did on on air, and he got himself into debt, and he he told me about that, and when I was reading the Bible, I was reading some of those passages in the New Testament that said, putting it in modern everyday language, if someone is in trouble and you just say, God bless you, that's rubbish, (laughs) You know, that you need to, you know, it's no use saying, God bless you, I'll pray for you, when you have it in your power to help. And I felt God, God pressed me to write a cheque and give him a reasonable amount of money. Okay. There was one drawback to this outstanding plan. I gave him the cheque, was I didn't have it in the bank. <laughs> I did say I was naive. And I can remember saying to him, going to cash that you know oh no 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 problem you know when when might you be cashing it you know um, and uh, later that day our bible college we they'd they'd arranged a coach and we'd gone out of town to a christian event it was a musical in one of the town assembly hall places a christian musical and we all went out and lo and behold there was a friend of my mother's someone i don't think i'd ever spoken to but it was a friend of my mother's a guy called bob yerrell and he came up to me and he said, the moment I saw you, I was just filled with joy. I, I have that effect on people. Uh, <laughs> I was filled with joy and I just knew I had to give you this. And he gave me a cheque and it was for, to the penny what that day I had given my mate. Um, that's more exciting than being on the receiving end. And you think... That's not a coincidence. And it's when you step into giving, you step into something different. And so bear that in mind. And it doesn't always have to be a considerable amount either. There's a lovely story I heard from Ray Lowe. Some of you might remember his name. He, he, was, 
many, many years ago at a Christian conference. And he felt God told him to give a pound. Now, in those days, a pound was a bit more than it is now. But an, an, a pound note, it was a note in those days as well. Um, and to give a pound note to some others who were at this conference. And he thought, no, how embarrassing. I can't give him a pound because it's too little. You know, if I come up to him and says, oh, here's a pound, you'd look at me a bit funny, wouldn't you? You'd probably be very pleased. Um, but he, he was really struggling with that. And anyway, in the end, he said, I'm not going to give it to them personally. I'm going to put it under the door of their room. And, but what he didn't know, but he found out later, was that this group of friends who were sharing that room hadn't got a bean for whatever reason. And they were praying, Lord, all we need is a pound for, for it so we can go and get a coffee. And as they were praying it, this embarrassed hand pushed a pound <laughs> under the door. <laughs> but... You get the point. It's, it's, it, it's an exciting thing. <laughs> Giving is not like a tax from God. It's stepping into something supernatural. So that's a sort of prefix to what I say. Money is not evil. But it can occupy an evil place in my heart. But of itself, it's, it's a neutral thing for, for good or for, for bad. In, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in Luke 16, 13, G- Jesus speaking, he says, and this is strong language and it makes me sit up straight. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate, really strong language, either you will hate the one and love the other. There's no middle ground, no grey. Either you will hate the one or love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. It's a really strong language, isn't it? And then he says, you cannot serve both God and mammon, or modern translation, worldly wealth. So you either love money, or you hate God. You know, you, you hate God, love money. You, there's no in-between. I find that quite shocking. don't know if you do. But he gives us, later on in Luke 16, or earlier on, I should say, in verse 9, he gives us the antidote. And this is fascinating to me. Jesus tends to be fascinating. He says, I tell you, use the mammon, that's worldly wealth, use the mammon of unrighteousness. You know, what in the world is, leads to greed, exploitation, etc., etc. Use the mammon of unrighteousness to gain friends. For yourselves, so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Oh, I love that. The thought that uh, in glory, in the new heavens, new earth, in heaven, whatever language you want to use, that one day there will be people saying, you, you, you are welcome. You're welcome because, you know, you saved my bacon back in time, you know, because you reached out to me when I was broken, my marriage was failing, I had no money, I couldn't pay the mortgage, you helped me. You get the picture. And, and that's something, that's an investment, isn't it? So there's a lovely, lovely scripture that you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings because of what you do with your money, giving to the needy, the hurting, 
helping the gospel advance. It's a beautiful prospect. Using fisherman's language, I want to talk about the one that got away. Okay. Um, In Acts 20, verse 35, the Apostle Paul is talking to, to a group of leaders, and he says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And the, the reason I called that the one that nearly got away is because it's not that, that saying of Jesus isn't in Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. You know, so Paul has given us a saying of Jesus that, that it's not in the Gospels. So thank you, Paul. Makes you wonder what else Jesus said, doesn't it? Um, it's more blessed to give than receive and it's a bit like Christmas isn't it (laughs) the joy you get from giving I think that's why Christmas is such a joyous festival not just because of what you're celebrating but the anticipation of people's response when you give them a a gift it's right isn't it you know you you want to see them I was given a, a belated birthday present uh yesterday and I was going to put it in the car no no open it you know, open it in front of us, you know, because they want to see your reaction. There's, there's a joy in, in giving. Another point, how many of you like being blessed? <laughs> if you don't have your hand up, you won't get blessed, okay? <laughs> if, you, if, you know, if, you're, if you're sensible, you like being blessed. You like good things. You like good stuff. You set the thermometer of how much blessing you get from heaven. You set it. And this, this is how I base that comment. In, again, Jesus speaking in Luke six thirty-eight. Jesus speaking. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure. This is a promise from heaven. It's got Jesus' name on it. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. And running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, see how you're setting the blessing thermometer here. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And, and I'm sure Jesus isn't limiting that to like finance. I think it's something more, more worthy than that. It's spiritual blessing, whatever shape that takes. That the the blessing and favour of God on your life is, is, is measured out according to how generous we become. That may be a new thought to you. So, anyone here like to get more blessed than you are? Well, you know, it's a challenge, isn't it? Uh, in the same vein, Proverbs 3, 9-10. to Honour the Lord with your wealth... With the first fruits of all your crops. We, we're not going to be the people who give what's left over at the end of the month. After nine trips to the cinema, nine meals out, my, you know, get my latest outfit from uh, whatever your favourite clothes shop is. And oh, there's 10p left, Lord. Yeah, 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 well you can see I don't do that. <laughs> I'm waiting for a good jumble sale. 
But honour the Lord with your, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. And your vats, this is a good bit, will brim over with new wine. Proverbs 11, 24, 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. And that's not to make you rich. It means you've got more to give. You see, it's, you know, if you store up, I think I can't see how that's a Christian... I can't see how that can be a Christian way of living. You know, if God makes you a millionaire, I hope he makes you all millionaires, so that you can just give away like a lunatic. Just give, give, you know. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. And here's a salutary warning. Another withholds unduly, stingy, but comes to poverty. That's so counter-logical, isn't it? Because you think, well, if I withhold, I'm going to store up. And if I give, I'm going to have less. But in the kingdom of God, it works the other way around. Actually, nearly everything works the other way around in the kingdom. Doesn't it? God's not very good at math. <laughs> God is, his math is, yeah. <laughs> Giving into the local church, can I talk about that very briefly? Because God is practical. God is practical. And for a church to fulfil its calling, it depends upon the regular, notice the word regular, faithful giving, because the bills are regular and faithful. That it, it depends upon the regular faithful giving of its people. Now, the New Testament church gave, the, the believers gave money, and that financed the leaders, and it financed ministry to the poor. And the, just a seed thought here, the, the traditional church, we, we tend to spend our millions on buildings. You know, it's, it's one of those sort of things I sometimes feel uncomfortable about. 1 Corinthians 9 Verse 13 and 14, if you're taking notes. Paul says again, Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And those who serve in the altar share what is offered on the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So it's a biblical thing. That's because it releases the gospel. If you've got people... Who don't you know? I, I meet people all across Europe who who have to have full time jobs because their church doesn't pay them a salary. They have full time jobs, little children, and nervous breakdowns. I'm not kidding you. Trying to run a church, trying to pioneer a church, trying to preach the gospel, not having enough time for their children, not having enough time for themselves. All across Europe, I went round with Morris on a road trip and burned out Christians. That can't be good, can it? Now, here's a, a thing. I don't know if you've had any teaching on this. You probably have. But God provided for the Old Testament priesthood through the ancient, and it's as old as the human race, this, the ancient practice of each household giving a tenth of their income to support the priesthood. You know, we call it tithing. But it goes back before the law. Which is interesting because we say, well, I'm not under law, brother. Actually, it goes before the law because you've got Abraham, father of the faithful. He gave a tenth of his wealth to the priest Melchizedek. You can find that Genesis 14.20. We find Abraham's grandson, again, way be before the law, 
tithing in Genesis 28-22. It was part of his relationship to God. It wasn't a thing of law. It was a thing of, I want to do this because you're going to be my God. If you're going to be my God, I'll give you a tenth. I'll honour you with my wealth. It's a thing to do with love and faithfulness. Now, when the law came along, tithing became mandatory. But that's not what we're talking about. And just to throw in a little one here, I haven't got time to open the chapter up with you, but if you look at Hebrews chapter 7, it, putting it, it basically says that when Abraham gave that tenth to Melchizedek, it, he says that Melchizedek is a type of Christ, that effectively Abraham was tithing to Jesus. And so what I conclude from that was, because people, you know, oh, I'm not under law, brother, I don't need to... Well, actually, I'd say Jesus is very happy to accept your tithe. <laughs> you know, it's usually because I don't want to give. As you know, I come up with explanations to, so I don't have to. Actually, if I love him, you know, I should find reasons why I, should, you know, why I want to. So, no, you're not, it's not mandatory. But it, I think, if you think, well, how much should I give? What, what's a responsible sort of level? What's my baseline giving as a Christian? You know, what guidance does the Bible have? Well, I think the tithing principle is a a really helpful guide to what's the baseline. It doesn't mean that's the limit. I can give more, you know. Um, And it's not something I should come under tremendous condemnation about if my finances all dry up. But what's a guiding principle? I want to suggest to you tithing. And if I was to take you into Malachi, one of the biggest promises of blessing I think you've had this ministered to you one of the biggest promises of God's blessing is to do with tithing you look in Malachi and I'll conclude with one more verse there's so many I could read but I and I've given you quite a lot of scripture because you know it's it's it's, is it is what I'm saying just hype or is it truth and I want to suggest no this is in the Bible 2 Corinthians 9 7 and 8 I'll finish with this. Each of you should give, not just to the church, but in life, you know, to the Ukrainian refugees, to whatever happens on your neighbourhood. The old lady down the road who's struggling to pay her phone bill. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves for God loves a cheerful giver. And, and you all know that the Greek word for that is the word that sounds like hilarious. It's, I think, where the word hilarious comes from in a hilastron or something. You know, for God loves a hilarious giver. I'm not sure I've got to hilarious yet. <laughs> I, that's just my dress sense. <laughs> you know? But to be a joyful giver. To be a joyful giver. That's a journey for me because I was brought up to be really careful with money and, and it's not natural for me to be a hilarious giver. You know, I, I, I find my mental calculator steps in, you know, but I want to be a hilarious giver. And it says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 
Now, I've brought my daughter Amy with me this morning, and I haven't warned her, so I'm going to ask her to pray. So you can come up here. She's got to work. I can give her this microphone. Anyway, I'm done. Thank you. That's no, really lovely being with you.